This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 445 of the Yellow Wall Pods. I'm your host, Stefan Bolzko, and today we will talk about Borussia Dortmund leaping to the top of the table with a 4 0 win against Eintracht Frankfurt, and we will preview Friday's game against VfL Bochum, <laughs> the 18th home game, if you want. For that and more, joins me the one and only Matthias Zug. Hello, Matthias. How are you doing? Hello, Stefan. I am doing rather well. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I, I would say, I think you and I kind of chatted about it. Um, our, our mood recording this podcast definitely different than it would have been a week ago. Oh, dude, I'm so glad because I would have said so many things I would have not been able to take back at all. I was so livid after the uh, very late equalizer. In Stuttgart, I, I don't know about you, but to me, the 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 gut punch <laughs> when that third goal from Stuttgart went in, with the very last chance, felt worse than uh, the the Bremen loss. Was probably the the worst experience of the entire season that because it was just such a blow. Yeah, I would say the the issue the the difference between the two obviously the Bremen loss was so early in the season you're like okay that sucks but there's still so much left to play this was like ah uh, especially because you saw at the same time that Bayern you know laid an egg against Hoffenheim and like this is the chance and so for a few minutes Dortmund were top of the table and when that then reverted it was kind of a okay. I mean, there's still six matches left. Anything can happen. I don't happen, think we were top. Were we just tied on points and no, they have a better goal difference? Oh, that's or what we... trying to think. Yeah, I think no. You're right. Tied. It was tied. I don't. I don't know. It was like a week and a half ago. Don't ask me such <laughs> things from the past. But uh, yeah, I mean, there was definitely. It, it all of a sudden you thought, oh, it can happen, and then when that happened, it was like, oh, seriously. Oh, it was so it was so close. Yeah, you're right. It was it would have been equal on points, uh, yeah. which obviously now would have meant a three point cushion. Um, but two point know, cushion, two point cushion, equal on <laughs> points. No, no, you're yes. right. Three no. point. Three Jesus points. Christ. Three points. Well, first That's of all, we should works. apologize to our listeners that uh, I've not been around for I don't know how many weeks now because the last episode we recorded was before the Bayern game. So there really is a lot of things to talk about, but I don't really want to rehash all of it, to be honest, because some of it was great, some of it not so much. <laughs> I'm sure it'll it'll be mentioned one way or another uh, as we go through the show. But um, yeah, I've uh, I've started a new job, and uh, my time constraints have been uh, different, let's say, recently, especially during the time we usually record. So. Uh, also, apologies to you, Matthias. It just uh, wasn't able to to produce a show, and it's obviously very vexing because <laughs> the content is amazing <laughs> that Barista Dortmund are delivering right now. It is 
Uh, as you said, it's a roller coaster. I mean, after the Bayern game, I think everyone was pretty disappointed. Then you turn around and beat Union Berlin quite convincingly, and then you have this ridiculous <laughs> uh, fumble against VfB Stuttgart where you have a 2-0 lead and uh, you are up a man and you think, okay, we're going to easily walk this. So did the players, except for Stuttgart, who thought, okay, they're going to think it's easy, so we're going to play for real now. And then they equalized. And then Girena, of all people, makes it 3-2 and we think we've won it. And then, of course, uh, Koulibaly does hit an air gap <laughs> instead of the ball. <laughs> Just... Just very tragic narratives, and uh, yeah, what, what, but we also need to talk a little bit about how how terrible Bayern Munich have been because uh, <laughs> without them this wouldn't have been possible. So Matthias, um, I don't even know where to begin, but um, I think a lot of the uh, Dortmund post game uh, quotes were surrounding the experience of players being in the team bus driving to the game for the Frankfurt match and, and hearing or watching uh, Bayern lose 3-1 to in Mainz. So maybe we'll start there and what you think this did to the team and uh, how they came out and how they reacted, etc. Well, it was a huge motivational boost. Um, I saw the post-match interview with uh, Jude Bellingham and it was just... I mean, first of all, him saying, you know, I want to win something at this club. This club means a lot to me, uh, which, of course, for someone not from Dortmund, not from Germany, hearing something like that is is absolutely fantastic, especially in such a young player. And it gave them that <laughs> All right, boost. time out. Maybe, maybe we have to modulate that because I completely forgot that after the Stuttgart game, the news conference passage said that Dortmund want to win the championship. And I think during the week, Kiel also said to kick out Rolnach, you know, whoever and some reporter gaggle that Dortmund all want to win the title as in they they wanted to win it all the time but they've never explicitly said it so this is the one thing that changed after the Stuttgart game and uh, obviously with Bayern losing that all plays into it but uh, nevertheless I just wanted to interject that because I think it's also important <laughs> to note so anyway go ahead no absolutely I mean after the Bayern loss uh, Tezic said it's not over you know, I mean, that was clearly, he said, this is not over. That's and what you said, by the way, in the previews. No yeah, matter what the result is, it's no never going to be result. over. Correct. There's just so much left to play. Bayern are so erratic, and it's so close, and Dortmund know they can win. That's the thing. They have that core belief, uh, kind of reminiscent of the first time Tezic took over, and they went on that run and won the DFB Pokal, against Leipzig, where everyone thought Leipzig under Nagelsmann would win, and Dortmund, you know, just ramrodded them. And, I, you know, kind of that that belief was there, and I think the focus is there, because they realize now, for real, this is theirs to win. I mean, it's... I, I heard somebody say, a few people say, well, excuse me, all Dortmund have to do is win the remaining five matches. Okay, first of all, there's no such thing as all you have to do is win. Yes, that's the theoretical ambition every time you get on a field, but it's not that easy. Um, and, but of course, yes, if Dortmund win every single match, the next five games, they are Deutsche Meister. And that's the end of that. It is completely and utterly in their hands. And I think that has focused them 
a little bit more. I think even the the Bayern loss was kind of a kick in the pants because they showed it against uh, Union Berlin. I'm ga- going to to a degree ignore the cup loss against Leipzig. Uh, I think there was still a Bayern hangover in there and just uh, nobody really cared. I, I think that was, you know, nobody really cared about the cup because well, I personally did not. I, yeah, I had no, the game I know on you had in the said background. That. You, you said that before the, the Bayern match. You're like, I couldn't care less. And Dortmund have now, you know, I mean, they won the DFB Pokal now a few times over the course of the years that they haven't won the title, the league title. So uh, this was like, no, 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 we want the big one. We want the big prize. And that, of course, is the Bundesliga title. And uh, the, the match against Stuttgart was... So frustrating to watch. I mean, when Gio Reyna scored, I'm like, of course he did. You know, I mean, um, it, it's it's the yellow wall pod motivational speech that, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, he he almost scored three dramatic late winners for Dortmund this season. So he's scored two. This one is essentially the equalizer. And the frustrating part of it was if Dortmund would have had their regular backline instead of, you know, Emre Can and Koulibaly, um, kind of everything thrown together. I truly believe Dortmund would have won that match. I, I have no doubt whatsoever. And in the post-game press conference against Frankfurt, you know, um, Frankfurt's manager, whose name now completely escapes me, off the top of my head. Glasner, you know, Oliver Glasner. Glasner, you know, he said, you know, Dortmund off the bench they bring on Niklas Zule and we brought on I don't even remember who and Tazer said well you know I kind of want to throw in there that was us last week and honestly that was Dortmund like last season um, and uh, it, it's just hard I mean Koulibaly he was like the last man standing you could throw in there who kind of knows how to play central defender but the kid just isn't ready He's he's been on the pitch I think twice this season and he's proven to me he's not there uh, will he ever be there? Who knows? But he's definitely not there now. Uh, very, very erratic. And so that was really, really frustrating. I was I was also frustrated because, to be perfectly honest, Stuttgart should have been down to 10 men after, what was it, like a minute and a half? Uh, the the Gurassi against Emre Can incident, that was a yeah, red card. It that was, was a 100% clear red card. The fact that VAR didn't go, eh, May want to look at that again. That wasn't even uh, a foul. <laughs> I mean, that was that was. I mean, it was. Yeah, it wasn't even a foul. He could have snapped Emre Can's leg with that if it wasn't Emre Can. If that was Gio Reyna, he would have broken his leg. Uh, <laughs> Emre Can, I'm not too worried about that. <laughs> Having uh, the yellow wall put bone so, density analysis right yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, just look at the physique of the two guys. Uh, that that says it a lot. But no, I mean, that that was really, really frustrating when they did go down to 10 men finally, which should have been nine men. I was like, OK, fine. And then Jude Bellingham summarized it really, really well. Post Frankfurt, he said, in the last match, we were all a little bit too arrogant. And that's what it felt like. I mean, Dortmund had so many chances against Stuttgart and just kind of like la di da at the end. It was so sloppy uh, in attack and and just lacked drive if they would have just put in a little more focus they could have scored two or three 
more against Stuttgart, and they just didn't. And then, you know, Guerrero doing his typical Guerrero jog back. Um, I, I mean, against Stuttgart showed it as well. Uh, yeah, no, against uh, Frankfurt. I mean, I would always do a far post from the left side to the right side cross, knowing that either Guerrero is there for a header, which he can't defend, or he's just not going to be there. Let's be perfectly honest. Uh, I, I miss those matches where we had uh, Rias on, on the left, Wolf on the right, and Guerrero in midfield. Uh, that's that was that was nice. I, I wouldn't mind seeing that again. But right now the midfield trio is pretty well established. So it's it's been a roller coaster over the last few weeks. Uh, needless to say, it's been a roller coaster at the Siebenerstraße as well uh, in in München, which was <laughs> very really, few ups. Really, however, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, well they had an up when they beat Dortmund, and I'll have to say it. Bayern were better that day. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Kobe with one of the worst goalkeeping errors in a Dortmund shirt I've seen in a long time. And that says a lot. So, uh, and it's not very typical for him. So it, yeah, it, was, just, it was a routine play and he was lacking yeah. routine. Yeah. And, and, and Bayern, Bayern were better that day. It's, yeah. it's that simple. I'm not going to say Dortmund were unlucky. No, Bayern were better. It's, it, you know, I've, I'm not a Bayern fan. I'm okay with admitting when the other team plays better. Uh, but in the subsequent matches, Dortmund played better. And twice they won, once they drew. And that's the big difference. Um, I mean, that we're even having this conversation, given where things were pre-World Cup winter break. I mean, is 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 pretty amazing. I'm excited for these last five matches. It's going to be a little crazy. Uh, obviously, we're going to talk about Frankfurt, and then we're going to look ahead to the next matches. But uh, leading up to Frankfurt... This was this was the match I was looking at the calendar most worried about, to be perfectly Same. honest. Because and Frankfurt proved it. They had chances. They just couldn't finish. Kulomuani just had an off day. And they attacked Dortmund's left side over and over again. Uh, which is smart. You have Guerrero on that side and you have pace. And that is why I credit Terzic when he brought in Zula instead of doing the switch that they had pre-World Cup where Zula was on the right and Hummels on the left because Hummels prefers the left side. They were like, no, 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 no. We're putting Zula on the left side because of that pace because they are attacking us on that side. And if we put Hummels over there, that's going to be a problem pace-wise. And uh, so I was glad to see that. And I think... We also have to talk about the fact that all of us have underestimated Eden Terzic, um, you know, myself included. I, I thought maybe that when he won the cup, that was maybe a little bit of a fluke, given the energy he brought in post-Lucien Favre. But the development of certain key players, looking at Emre Can as probably one of the, the big standouts, um, Julian Brandt to a degree, Daniel Mahlen, and the tactical changes that were made, probably in a team, it's not in Terzic alone, um, have allowed Dortmund to be in this position. And so I disagree with some people's hot takes where they're like, well, Dortmund are in this position because Bayern are slumping, so it's more about timing than talent. I think it's a combo of both. Um, and I, I do want to get one thing off my chest during the Frankfurt match, where I'm a big fan of Derek Ray, 
in his color commentary. I don't know who his co-commentator was. I don't know if they watched a lot of Dortmund matches because it didn't sound like it. And the one thing that bothered me where he said, uh, you know, going into the Bayern match, Dortmund, like they do every year, say they're going to win the title. I'm sorry. When in the fuck have Dortmund ever said going into Munich that they're going to win a title? I mean, Dortmund coming out now saying they're going to they want to win the title. That's a headline. I mean, I remember the Klopp years when it was like, you're going to win the title and they wouldn't say it. So that's Dortmund now feel the momentum shift towards them and they are taking bold steps and saying we want to win this title now and uh that's that's huge that's huge for these players and Dortmund said it after losing to Munich not before going to Munich so um it's uh it's gonna be a fun fun crazy five weeks ahead of us yeah I mean just I, I just want to watch the game against Frankfurt over and over again. I just want to bathe in in the euphoria coming from the ranks because, let's be real, everyone in the stadium knew, in the Westfalen stadium knew, <laughs> what was on the line and how important it would be if Dortmund win it because uh, everyone, of course, knows the result in Mainz. And I think this was probably the best atmosphere this entire season. I maybe it's recency bias, but I struggle to think of a game where the atmosphere was this over ninety minutes, this this ginormous. It was it was just amazing the the amount of energy coming from the stands, coming from the ranks uh, onto the pitch, pushing this team forward, um, is absolutely amazing. And of course, the Westfalenstadion is an absolute fortress, and uh, you know. Obviously, don't were a bit lucky with the run of play that there was Bellingham who scored first, not uh, Frankfurt with I don't know some weird deflected shot or whatever. And from then on out, this just the the, the dynamic in the stadium it was just amazing, and uh, you know, it's 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 funny how <laughs> how sometimes there there can be a pressure like this that. Uh, does not feel conducive to the cause, but and, and this time the the positivity is so amazing. And Ian Tessic said at the beginning of his tenure as a full-time head coach that he wants to be louder than ever and uh, hungrier than ever and all these things. And I think this game showed that this was achieved this season. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to say then ever, ever, but uh, in, in a long time. And I was on the Series XM the other day on a counterattack to talk about uh, the title race in the Bundesliga. And I think this is one of the biggest advantages that Dortmund have over Bayern right now. Not only do we still have three home games out of the five games, and we all know that Dortmund struggles um, in this uh, stretch of the season just exclusively come on the road because the home games, be it against Union Berlin, Frankfurt, etc., all have been have looked very solid. And I've said it before on here, when I listen to the news conference or the press conference or whatever you want to call it, when Thomas Tuchel was announced with Oliver Kahn and Brazzo, neither of these three just mentioned the Bayern fans even once in the 
almost whole hour where they split it in half. The first half was talking about why Julia Nagelsmann was let go and the other 20 minutes or whatever was, uh, you know, presenting Thomas Tuchel. The galvanization going on at Borussia Dortmund, also in large part thanks to Eden Terzic, is something else. It's a, it's a spirit, it's a level, it's a vibe, whatever you want to call it, that we have not seen in a pretty long time and makes me all the more excited about this season than, than previous seasons. And it's something... Uh, the, the word ex escapes me, but uh, it's not quite palpable, <laughs> Matthias, but we all know it's there. It's maybe something platonic, um, which gives me even more joy watching these games. I don't know how you feel about it, but just the, the sheer emotion coming out of uh, oozing out of uh, this club right now is uh, mostly very positive. And uh, even though the game against Stuttgart was terrible and I wanted to curse them all out, um, predominantly, if I look back at this season already, um, I think the vibes were rather good. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, people criticize Tessic for being a vibes-only manager. Um, obviously, I think we both disagree a little bit, but uh, to a certain extent, we can also uh, say that he's, of course, no Pep Guardiola or some tactical mastermind, um, you know, beyond his generation. But uh, yeah, I, I'm i very happy with the coach right now. I don't know how you feel about it, but uh, this um, situation of all... Fills me with joy. I obviously do not know where this journey ends, but uh, I said before the buying game, I I'm not betting against this team currently at all, even though they give you reason enough to do so. Well, I mean, as far as you know, Tezic being a, a rah-rah vibes coach, um, I think in his first tenure, his first six months. Uh, uh, post Lucien Favre, he was kind of that upbeat, polite, rah-rah guy. Because he had to be. I mean, the team were rock bottom. They were down. They were not nowhere near European places. Ended up in the Champions League and winning the DFB Pokal. Then this season, his role was a little bit different. In the beginning, it was kind of the same. You know, kind of pick up after a really weird Marco Rosa season. You know, where you finish second, but everyone kind of feels like you failed. It was really weird. Yeah, it was um, just a, me a blast season somehow. Yeah, it just, I'm just you know, you know this is out. just what I was talking about. Like, yeah. emotionally, I was not not there for it at all. This yeah. season is so entirely different. It just feels way more intense. It feels way more present. Correct. And it's Tazic. Now, Tazic's situation isn't unique. Um in the sense, I mean, he's he's a Dortmund fan. He, you know, was born and grew up 30 minutes away. He's a true local guy. You know, it's I'd compare it to like Christian Streich at Freiburg, who is undoubtedly from the region, if you ever hear him speak, or um, Schmidt at Heidenheim, who's actually born like 10 minutes away from the stadium. You know, that these are three stories that are, I would say, unique in the professional world of European football because you don't really get that that often. You know, um, Thomas Tuchel isn't from Munich. Um, you know, Jürgen Klopp wasn't from Dortmund or from Liverpool. You know, Pep Guardiola isn't from Manchester. You know, it's Pep Guardiola when he was at Barcelona is probably the closest thing you got to that. But 
it, 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 you just feel it. And, and the nice thing, what I really liked about Tezic this season, specifically after the Bayern loss, is A, his competitive nature and saying, no, 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 we're, this isn't over yet. We want to win the title. And how pissed off he was after the Stuttgart match. And he showed it. He showed how angry he was, and he didn't protect the players in that moment. He said, I am too angry to give, uh, uh, you know, an analysis of what just happened. And to basically say, this is why Dortmund haven't been winning the Bundesliga for the last 10 years. These kind of games. If we want to achieve something, we can't do this anymore. And that is a huge shift on the way Tezic was at the beginning of the season or um, when when he first took over the club after Favre. Now this is his team. This is his club. He is fully integrated. He has the full backing of the supporters and, uh, you know, the brass at the club. And you can tell that he's not arrogant. He's not like Nagelsmann, who's an arrogant shit. He's not like Tuchel, who also, you know, has a slight arrogant streak. Let's put it that way. This is born out of passion for the club and the sport. And you combine that with the fact that he is a smart guy. He is articulate. He does know tactics. It's not like he just got pulled off the street and say, hey, you like Dortmund, how about you become a manager? He has, you know, I'm not going to say coaching pedigree, but at least, you know, he, he has a background of learning the craft, so to speak. And this season has shown it. I mean, Dortmund have gone through highs. They've gone through a big lull when a lot of people were massively questioning Eden Tezic, were questioning the club why they even hired him post Marco Rosa. Should they have even fired Marco Rosa? And even us here on the podcast were like, I don't know if this is the right guy. And thankfully, all of us were proven completely wrong. And uh, he not only turned it around, but Dortmund are, I, I think I read they're scoring the most goals in the Rückrunde. They are on a complete tear. Yeah, they lost in the cup. Yeah, they lost to Chelsea in a really weird Champions League tie. Um, but more often than not, since the restart of the season, it's been more high than low. And I, I credit Eden Tezic for that, you know, because it's not like they brought in a ton of players. Adding Riason was a huge add, huge and so Sebastian Kiel has to be lauded for that. But the the reemergence uh, or the emergence of Daniel Malen, because I remember how we talked about him post that Copenhagen match. Um, and Emre Can, who right now I wouldn't want out of the squad. <laughs> that's that's a lot of that is down to Eden Tazic and his team. There's no denying that, especially someone like Daniel Mann, who's now playing like he played at PSV. I mean, he is playing like that. He is bossing players. He is having so much fun out there. And that is wonderful to see because now we're like, ah, that's the guy that's supposed to replace Jaden Sancho. And now he has. Daniel Mann scored six goals in the last five games and 
You know, I'm, I'm watching a lot of NBA right now, uh, as, as people who follow me on Twitter may have uh, seen. And obviously, you know, people always talking about, uh, you know, players being in their bag when they have uh, a variation of skill showing. But uh, Daniel Malen has been in a swag bag because Daniel Malen is a confidence player and he has not had it uh, pretty much the entire time in Dortmund ever since... I don't. I don't know even where, what the what the inflection point is, but it's it, he just found it. He has picked it up. The club um, have shown him more trust than I personally would have, and uh, to me, Malen has been a write-off also because of the lack of tactical discipline shown in, in games before, where he just did not track back at all. And uh, if you paired him with Guerrero left side it was just a catastrophe and now we have an entirely changed player and obviously there are multiple factors that come to it um the talent that Daniel Malen has is undeniable he has pace he has a very hard shot which Nico Schlitterbeck <laughs> unfortunately had to feel in full force with that free kick and uh, actually uh, didn't realize Schlotterbeck was subbed out uh, due to a muscular problem that uh, reappeared um, because I thought he was his head was just still ringing uh, initially but uh, by now we know Schlotterbeck sadly had to come off because uh, of his muscular problems that are ongoing but uh, back to Daniel Malen um, I think the biggest factor uh, for Daniel Malen being better than ever before is Sebastian Alea and Having having a striker that can play with the back uh, to the goal and uh, have some hold-up play is exactly what both Malen and Adiemi need. And to me, right now, this is the perfect throne free that Dortmund can have with Malen on the right, Adiemi on the left, and and Malen as as the anchor, the striker uh, who who feeds those two players, and of course, uh, ideally. Julian Brandt as the number 10 in behind. To me, this is a very strong, very hard to defend attack because Sebastian Alea uh, will always need full attention because otherwise he's just too strong on the ball and it is impossible to account for the pace of Adimi and Malen at the same time. There's just no way to do that and uh, Julian Brandt has played the, the best season he has been at Dortmund and uh, we haven't even talked about his contract extension which I'm very, very happy about um, because uh, to me right now, his extension had a higher priority um, than Marco Reus's just because of uh, you know how good he's been playing, uh, how valuable he is in the sporting sense for Dortmund and uh, in, in many other ways. And I think we should talk about it in a second. But just to circle back to Daniel Malen, he just appears now at the right time in the right place and uh, has some poachers goals as well as uh, you know some obvious skill goals that uh, he creates and boy oh boy is it nice to see uh how many did Dortmund pay for him was it roughly 30 or, or it, it was definitely north 20 million and uh, for him to be a bust which uh, for the longest time he looked like it to come out this good is is such a blessing because now we have something that we can plan with, we can build on and can improve upon. And that makes the future all the more bright because Daniel Malen and Adeyemi are not going to leave at the end of next season if Dortmund uh, uh, <laughs> unless Dortmund want them to leave. 
Um, and the same goes for Sebastian Alea, who of course is still improving. I think the game against Frankfurt was probably one of his better ones, also because he of course had that uh, mismatch against Makoto Hasebe, <laughs> which uh, Dortmund very much exploited. But just from that structure, um, there we have something going, which uh, I'm I'm very happy about because to me, as I said, those four attackers are very much set in the starting lineup whenever available and and healthy and fully fit. And uh, I mean, if you watch the four 0 the way Adiyimi sets up uh, Malin there is is just ridiculous. We haven't even talked about the leap. <laughs> <laughs> that set up the second goal and uh, kudos to uh, Kolomani who fouled Gregor Kobel because otherwise um, this uh, long goal kick from Kobel or, or free kick in that uh, sense would not have been possible and uh, Alea's dink to Adeyemi and Adeyemi's leap uh, and pass to Daniel Malen also wouldn't have been possible but it's just it's, it's good to see these players being uh, fully confident you know doing all kinds of ridiculous high skill tricks especially Daniel Malen when he had these uh, spin moves in the Union Berlin game and whatnot. it's it's just great to see and uh, Matthias you tell me but if, if these players are playing as well as they did against Frankfurt I, I'm way more confident about a win against Bayern for example than uh, whatever lineup that was because we I don't think we played Malen there and Adeyemi uh, didn't even feature, even though he theoretically could have. It it just goes to show how uh, important health of these players will be, especially also our backline, um, going into these remaining five games. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, you know, obviously Adeyemi is still going to develop. He's very, very young. Uh, the two things he needs to develop out of his game are cheating. I mean, just the dives, stop. Just stop. That doesn't endear yourself to Dortmund fans. Uh, the unnecessary bookings, you know, that that's the stuff he needs to get rid of. But other than that, you know, I mean, he's just, he's powerful. He's pacey. You know, his his uh, vertical leap is pretty impressive. Cause he's not the tall, super tall guy, but he's got a, a really nice uh, vertical. And then just the pace. Uh, I mean, imagine you're a defender and you've got... Man and Ariemi running at you at full speed. And then a Julian Brandt, who's also fast. Now, not their level of fast, but he's fast. But he's really fast with his feet and his mind. Um, kind of peak um, Marco Royce, you know, uh, a few years back when he was younger. You know, this, you know, you just knew something would happen. And the way Dortmund can interact in really tight spaces now is really uh, fun to watch. I'm also honestly surprised that uh, Riason has some skill. I wasn't expecting that. Now, obviously not, you know, Guerrero level, um, but it's still really, really good. And I think he's really enjoying playing in the Dortmund style versus what he had to endure in the quote-unquote style uh, he had uh, at Union Berlin. So he's obviously, uh, different things are asked of him now, and he's he's shining. So, no, it was, it was good. Dortmund uh, in this match had to weather a lot of dangerous Frankfurt attacks and did so well, uh, sometimes convincingly, sometimes lucky. But, you know, that all happens because... 
let's be honest, Dortmund have also had bad luck. I mean, that that uh, Koulibaly goal uh, for Stuttgart that took that massive deflection, that was unlucky. Otherwise, that was a nothing shot that Kobe would have just scooped up. I think had you mean it not the Emre goal, right? That Jan deflected, not Koulibaly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was just unlucky, you know? Um, so sometimes you need a little bit of luck because God knows there's, there's been enough bad luck. So, no, it was it was great. And, and you combine that. I mean, I, I said it was a really good footballing day for me, you know, starting with uh, Poison Münster winning the Regionalliga West and been getting promoted to the Dritte Liga, then watching the Mainz match and then the Dortmund match. Like, I couldn't come down from the high of, of yeah, that Yeah, and then six Saturday. was one game one. <laughs> Sure. Um, <laughs> there's also the ball, the the game on the yeah yeah whatever. Uh, no no that's 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 all good. So no it was it was really nice. It was fun to see. It was upbeat. Is exactly what I needed because yes I was concerned following the Stuttgart match and knowing that Frankfurt are really really dangerous and they proved it. Um, I mean XG wise they're not terribly far apart, but uh, it was it was a good good win and like you said Sebastian Alea huge difference maker huge difference maker because you know Mukoko just isn't there yet uh Anthony Modest I understand the reason why Dortmund bought him it was a smart move at the time he seemed to fit the bill it just didn't work out I feel bad for the guy um but you know he's not Alea but he was he kind of fit a certain mold uh, but it just just didn't work out but ever since Alea being there and being fit and gaining more and more fitness he's still not 100% that's the thing uh it's only going to get better and I'm looking for I'm I know we've got five matches left where Dortmund could become Bundesliga title winners but I'm already looking forward to next season when you know he's fully fit for an entire season yeah hopefully you just never know what happens you know he can get a let's say more traditional footballing injury as well but uh yeah, uh, knock on wood that uh, he will be the player that Dortmund thought they would get because he also has way more goals in him still. Um, the I, I would say if there's one downside to him right now is that uh, he's not quite there yet uh, where he usually is when it comes to actually finishing and uh, being in the situations where you, where you get to finish. I think... Um, having only played half a season with Dortmund, um, you you know you can expect more next season in in that regard too. That there's just even more chemistry to be built, and uh, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it as well. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about the the upcoming games. Of course, Dortmund already play on Friday, eight thirty local time kickoff in Bochum and uh, we all know that these games are very very tough we uh, did defeat them in the DFB Pokal um, but last season it was a one-all draw where Dortmund had a million chances especially Erling Haaland just could finish them and uh, yeah did not grab the W back then but um, I am quite optimistic also because of the way Dortmund beat them uh, what was it uh, somewhere beginning of February where the the pitch was in atrocious condition and uh, Boho made it a fight, made it a true cup fight. And uh, Dortmund, even though it wasn't a pretty game, Dortmund were just up for this game. And I'm very convinced that 
this time around Dortmund will be up for it just as equally and you can force errors out of this Bochum team as we have seen before. They are of course right now struggling to remain in the Bundesliga. They're in 15th place so they too have everything to play for just as Dortmund. Just a different kind of pressure when you're fighting uh, for your life in the Bundesliga and man what a story it would be if, if Bochum managed another season of top flight Bundesliga football. Uh, it's it's close to a miracle because it's really a tiny club in comparison, but uh, nevertheless, we have to beat them, and um, I, I'm i cautiously optimistic, <laughs> I don't know about you, Matthias, because it is a road game, even though it's not very far. Uh, you can uh, get from, Bochum, uh, from Dortmund to Bochum in like 20 minutes or so, uh, between city centers, uh, maybe half hour, and uh, if you take the train, at least, I don't know about uh, uh, taking the behinds. It can be a little <laughs> more stuffy. Um, but more importantly, um, what do Dortmund have to show this time in order to demonstrate that the final win against Frankfurt wasn't just we want to be champions fluke, but that they are indeed serious and can back it up because they certainly did not look like a serious we want to win the title team against Stuttgart, so since uh, Dortmund have been woeful on the road this season, I think this needs to be even more of a statement game or statement win than the Frankfurt game. Yeah, so, I mean, Dortmund so far this season has had a good record against Bochum. They beat them 3-0 uh, at home and then 2-1 in the cup. But obviously this is a different Bochum than in the beginning of the season where it looked like they were just going to go down so pathetically. Uh, they've they've rebounded significantly. Um, they've had a, a bad April. You know, they lost to Stuttgart. They lost to Bochum. They drew against Union Wait, Berlin. To Schalke, maybe? <laughs> um, no. Yeah, you just um, said they lost to Bochum. Sorry, Bochum lost to Wolfsburg. They're uh, too far fed. So <laughs> losing to Wolfsburg, losing to Stuttgart, drawing Berlin. But they did lose to Schalke in March. Uh, but they also beat Leipzig. In March, so this is, it's it's an odd team because I watched I watched the Wolfsburg match, and it's it's a miracle they didn't score more because even if you look at XG, Bochum create chances. They are a dangerous attacking side. They are also a dangerous defending side. They have the most dangerous keeper in the Bundesliga, because Riemann is, as Dortmund found out, as Emre Can found out, <laughs> um, just such a highly erratic keeper. I mean, if Bochum stay in the league, they need to replace him. Um, you know, that's not criticizing him as a person, blah, 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 blah. But as a Bundesliga keeper, he's just not good. Um, now I say that, he's probably going to save 20 shots on target against uh, Dortmund. But he always has huge mistakes baked into him. He did again against Wolfsburg. Bochum defended that so naively. It was so easy for Wolfsburg to score five goals that um, I looked at that and went, so the way for Dortmund to win this is let Bochum come. Let Bochum come at you. So play an aggressive mid-block and then... Just send Adeyemi and Malen. Just send them. And they will destroy Bochum. Because Bochum can't defend. I mean, it's like the meme, oh, Dortmund can't defend. Actually, Dortmund's defense is really, really good. Um, but Bochum really can't defend. 
I mean, I watching that against against Wolfsburg, it was it was bad. It was really, really bad. Um, Wolfsburg could have scored more goals even. Uh, so Bochum are dangerous because they don't hide. They play very aggressive. They play very physical. Uh, they come at you and fight kind of like Mainz did against um, Bayern. The only difference is Mainz can defend, whereas Bochum can't. And that's, that's in my opinion, what Dortmund need to do is be patient and kind of let Bochum come towards them a little bit and then hit them on the break and you'll win. I, I just, I have no confidence because I saw it. That's what Wolfsburg did. And I do not believe Bochum will be able to make the tactical change between their Wolfsburg match and playing Dortmund on Friday, especially Dortmund in such a high. I think it's going to be difficult. I think they're going to foul. They're going to be aggressive. They're going to be physical. They're, it's going to be like the cup tie. They're going to be up for it with the fans on a Friday night. Those night games are always different. The intensity always seems to ratchet up a little higher. I think for Dortmund it's actually a good Dortmund thing that yes that they have to have to play the night game because I think that also uh, ratchets the intensity for Dortmund players. I feel like the drab three uh, thirty away kickoff sometimes uh, takes a little bit. I don't know. So something ta- some sometimes I f- I feel like on the road something goes missing for Dortmund and. Uh, and, and Friday night games it very much often does not. I'm I'm just very I'm just excited for the game because it is a derby because so much is at stake for both teams and man if you just win you can put a four point margin on on Bayern. Now granted Bayern uh, this match they will play on Sunday. They have a three thirty game and they host Hertha Berlin who are dead last and uh, the most rubbish team in the Bundesliga right now. And even though they just fired their coach and uh, rehired Pal Dardai, I have zero hope for them. So um, I think you can very much mark this as a win for Bayern. Um, but that being said, I don't know about you, Matthias, but I think um, there are still a, f- a few good games left where Bayern really can struggle. I think after the Hertha game, they play Bremen, they play Schalke who, as uh, Dortmund have learned, uh, have improved throughout the season. And, uh, of course, on the penultimate match day, they play against Leipzig. So Marco Rose could, in fact, contribute to a Dortmund championship after all. And on the final match day, they play away to Cologne. And uh, I was talking to it about that with a friend of mine. He said, man... Wouldn't it be awesome when uh, we hear Nobby Dickel again saying, I ain't so for Köln. So these are all scenarios uh, that are possible, but uh, I just want to circle back to the Mainz game just a tiny bit because what makes me so optimistic about Dortmund going all the way is not just that Dortmund looked really good and I feel like they finally understood what it takes to win a championship and uh, approach this uh, I don't know. I just don't think Dortmund will just nilly-willy waste this chance now. Um, but also Bayern look entirely discombobulated. I mean, Mainz just completely took them apart and Bayern had very few answers. Um, after Mainz made it 3-1 to in the, what, 70th, 77th? I don't even know what minute. Um, but throughout the entire second half, Bayern just had almost no chances, no structure, and usually you remember, especially the Pep Guardiola years, but we have seen it, of course, every season where it just looks like they play handball, where they have so much 
possession, so much dominance that the opponents hardly make it across the halfway line. But right now, these games are very open for 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 Bayern standards, where the ball goes back and forth. Yes, they have more possession and whatnot, but uh, they just look really bad. And maybe this was still a Champions League hangover after that loss against Man City, and uh, now that they do not have uh, a cup or European competition in between, they too will pick up and win out. Who knows? That is very much possible. They certainly have enough quality in their squad. But uh, and and of course, Thomas Tuchel is a is a good coach and can maybe turn a couple things around with more time where he can tweak things to the better. I don't know, but status quo is that uh, it's not only that Dortmund are playing well; it is also that Bayern are miserably poor, not only for their standards, but they do not look like a good Bundesliga side. I think in the Rückrundentabelle, Mainz actually leapfrogged Bayern and are now in second place behind Dortmund, which uh, says volumes about that form curve of uh, <laughs> the team from the Sebener Straße. Well, really, I mean, if you look at the squad, I mean, Thomas Tuchel will not and should not be um, evaluated or judged for how Bayern finish out this season. Um, the The people that will be judged are Oliver Kahn, and the person who really needs to be fired is, and I hope he doesn't, is uh, Bratzel Zaliamidzic and and his guy. Was it Nepe, his technical director or whatever? I have no Never idea. The guy. But the guy who according they to ban- reports, who Tuchel, the guy who Tuchel banished from the bench because he kept on <laughs> bitching at the refs. It's like, who is this guy? Um, but either way, I mean, <laughs> I can you know, totally Bayern, see it. I mean, Bayern don't. I mean, I can see Tuchel turning around, and being like, "Who is this? Why? Why are you here?" Yeah, <laughs> I have never heard of you. Um, and and so I can imagine. I mean, the the crisis in in Bayern is they can go. Ideally, they'll end the season without winning anything, and that's that is unheard of for Bayern. Last time, I think that happened. Louis Van Gaal was maybe manager that they went out and won nothing, which makes sense uh, because that was when, I think that was Dortmund winning the title the first time under Klopp. No, the second season after that, they also didn't win because they didn't win yeah, the Champions Yeah, I was going to say, they, they, didn't they didn't win a European Cup, Cup and they certainly two. did not win a domestic league uh, nope. or anything because nope. Dortmund won at all. <laughs> yeah, they won the double that year. Even so, though they were much better it's been in a that while. game. Yeah, it's 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 been a while. Um, you know, they don't really have a striker. Sadio Mane, you know, he's not a sole striker. He wasn't at Liverpool, so anyone thinking he would have been been that at Bayern is just an idiot. Uh, if you're saving grace, you're pinning your hopes on as a Bayern fan is Eric Maxim Chupo Muting. I'm sorry, you got some serious problems. Um, which is something Lewandowski even spoke about now while he was at Barcelona. Um, do, so, do you I mean, think, it's, it, side, it's do you think that Harry Kane joining Bayern is realistic? Because they will throw I, money at the problem, but this is I don't yeah. know. I don't know if Harry Kane would necessarily leave England, leaving Tottenham. Yes, it's a miracle he ha- he hasn't done that f- four times already. Going to Bayern. I don't know. That seems like a bit of a stretch, in my personal opinion. Um, who they would otherwise get, I don't know. I know Harry Kane will leave Tottenham. I'd be shocked if he still plays for Spurs. 
And yeah, they're going to throw money at the problem. I think Uli Hoeneß showing up at training, I think it was today. Yeah. And having a side conversation just with Thomas Tuchel says everything that's going to happen at Bayern. Uh, people say, well, you know, they're not going to let go of Zalihamidzic. Hoeneß hired him. Yeah, they fired Christian Nerlinger, who was a Bayern guy who Uli Hoeneß hired when it wasn't working well. There's no, like, they're ruthless. Uli Hoeneß isn't as successful as he is at Bayern by being nice. He's ruthless. I don't think Uli Khan is going anywhere. I think Zalihamidzic is, is gone. And his, and his little, you know, little chihuahua nepe. Um, I think they're they're going to be gone. And you're going to see Uli Hoeneß giving a lot of power to Thomas Tuchel. Um, and so that's why let, no one needs to win it now because next season could be could be a totally different buy-on in that regard because they're going to spend a crap ton of money this summer um, to to revamp that squad because the squad's not good. The other thing for buy-on that made a huge difference against Mainz is obviously Alfonso Davies uh, pulling up injured. That was a big issue. Um, so, yeah, if we look at the schedule on paper without a deeper analysis, don't want to have the harder road. Uh, deeper analysis, the three most difficult matches on paper in Wolfsburg, Gladbach, and Mainz are all at home. Now, here are the things behind that. Bochum are fighting for survival, plus it's a local rivalry, so that's going to be a tough one. Wolfsburg are fighting to get into Europe, even though I think they're going to fall short. And it's at home. I think Dortmund can do it. Because Wolfsburg didn't play well against Bochum. Bochum created a lot of chances against Wolfsburg. Uh, they benefited from from uh, Bochum's stupidity. But, you know, Wolfsburg are, are on the ascendancy. Gladbach have nothing to play for. I mean, nothing. They're not going up. They're not going down. It's a nothing season for them. Some key players are injured. I, I just don't see much, much issue there. I think by the time Dortmund play, is it Augsburg? They play away. Um, I'm not too worried there. I think Augsburg will be safe and nothing to play for. Last match day against Mainz. It depends on where Mainz and everyone else is in the table. Um, but that'll be a home match against Mainz, which Dortmund do well at home against Mainz. I think, yeah, the the, the slip-up for Bayern is Leipzig. I have no confidence in Hertha. I have no confidence in Schalke. Schalke were so bad against Freiburg. I mean, so, so bad. Uh, I think Bayern will probably score 10 goals between those two matches alone. Yeah, but Bremen, so, aber, but, Bremen, but Bremen, aber Bremen. <laughs> Bremen and Köln, for me, are the ones that are interesting because, uh, I can't remember, is the Bremen match in Bremen? Yes, they're both away uh, games so for Bayern. That's, that's the thing. The players are one thing, but the coaches and the fans will desperately want to ruin München's chances of winning a title. Because we Especially can't forget. Bremen. Well, yeah, because Bremen in the 80s and 90s, they were the big Bayern rival because they were winning titles. Köln were that in the 70s and 80s. And these fans, remember, this is ingrained in their DNA. And so they will want this. Someone like Steffen Baumgart, trust you me, he's going to be motivated to screw up Bayern's season on the last match day. And that's the other thing we can't discount here. Until the last match day, Dortmund and Bayern don't play at the same time anymore. 
they're playing at different times, sometimes different days. Um, and so I think every match is actually different days. I don't even think they play on the same day on any of the match we days. We play on Friday against Bochum and Bayern play against Hertha on Sunday. Then we okay, play yeah, on Sunday against yeah. Wolfsburg, whereas Bayern play against Bremen on Saturday. Yeah, and so th there is a Saturday, but different times. Yes. Bayern play Schalke early, Dortmund play Gladbach at home late. Um, and I think the big slip-up for Bayern will... On paper, obviously, it's Leipzig, who are fighting to get into the Champions League, solidify their position there. Uh, and it's going to be weird rooting for Leipzig. Um, but I don't I can't, care. Can't. You know, at the end of the day, if Dortmund win, I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, but still, um, I'm I'm still gonna root for for Leipzig for uh, Bayern to lose. Yeah, but yeah. no, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't care. That at, at that point, I what whatever I hate about Leipzig uh, is is insignificant compared to how much I want to win a championship. So I'm I'm gladly yes. rooting for them. Yes. Yeah, but it'll be easier to root for Köln and Bremen. Yeah, <laughs> certainly. <laughs> Especially because, you know, I, I like those two clubs. So, God, it's going to be interesting. And then it could, I mean, if both teams went out, which is very obviously could happen. I mean, the fact that it could come down to the very last match day to decide the Bundesliga title and relegation and some European places, but really the big ones, title and relegation, I mean, this could go down as one of the best Bundesliga seasons in, gosh, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 years. Because even when Dortmund won the title under Klopp, it wasn't really tied at the end anymore. So, you know, Dortmund had, had won the title before the last match days. So this could be one of the most interesting final match days in the Bundesliga in a very long time, which is great. It's great to have that. Yeah. We we all desperately needed that, and uh, you know I'm I'm all for more parity in the league because having more attention, having better title races, is something I severely miss from me growing up watching Bundesliga. There was just way more at stake for way more teams. Now you have to hope for a Bayern off season, and that and hope that they make enough poor decisions that maybe their rebuild or their in-game or in-season adjustments, sorry, uh, aren't going to hit like, uh, you know, a coaching change or, or not, or, you know, throwing more money out during the winter transfer window um, and whatnot. So a lot of factors have to come good for you to win a title. And uh, it is not even one of the absolute peak Dortmund seasons, just points-wise, because uh, Tuchel's first season and, and the first Favre season, for example, um, Dortmund definitely performed much better points-wise. It's just that Bayern were were even stronger that year. But, um, you know, with Bayern regressing a little bit and Dortmund not playing a, a completely awful season, now this is all possible. And, uh, of course, we're sitting here full of excitement. We have no idea how this is all going to go. Um, but, man, <laughs> I'm... I'm already playing with the thought of making a little trip to Dortmund around May 27th <laughs> because I would struggle severely to miss a title celebration in Dortmund where I know all my friends are out there drunk on the streets and I'm sitting here in Philadelphia, uh, I don't know, watching some stupid live stream. 
So um, yeah, there are there are a lot of things to be considered right now. But uh, most importantly, as you just said, Matthias, it is Dortmund's now to win, <laughs> and I like that because you could have also said it's Dortmund's now to lose. But I like the it's Dortmund's now to win much better. Now for next week. If you want to drop us some listener questions in our YouTube comments, just uh, type in Yellow Warpod on YouTube and you'll find this sh- the show there. Um, then I'll I'll integrate them into the next uh, show or tweet at them uh, at us at Yellow Warpod, so I can uh, uh, yeah put some listener questions in in there too. But uh, in the meantime, Matthias, um, we're definitely going to be back next week. I have not discussed what your plans are now, but uh, I will certainly be back because there's no chance in hell I'm not going to have a Yellow Warpod out next week. Uh, whatever it takes. <laughs> Even if it's just me sitting by myself rambling for a half hour. I don't care. Something will be out. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm just looking forward to it all. Now, please just uh, don't ruin it. <laughs> oh, well, we'll definitely talk next week. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's... it's um... <laughs> Here's the funny thing. Um... Dortmund haven't won a Bundesliga title since I started the Yellow Wall Pod. Oh man, should we end it right now? The, should we just in the should we in just... the summer of 2012? So now that Dortmund are properly in, how we the jinx <laughs> a full fledged title race? You bet your ass we're going to be here every week. Fine. I mean, this is this is too big. I mean, the the next closest big thing was obviously the the Champions League final. Um, but this, this is going to sound weird, but this is bigger for me right now because just because of Dortmund of, of, uh, you know, the, the Bayern dominance of the last 10 years. So, uh, I am really, really looking forward to the next five weeks. I'm not going to say no matter what happens, obviously, <laughs> but, um, I'm just looking forward to the fact that even, even if Dortmund drop points and Bayern gain points, it's still not over. I mean, I, I truly believe I'd be shocked if we're not sitting here on the final match day going, oh boy, it's it's down to the last 90 minutes of football this season. <laughs> I mean, it, it can theoretically all happen and uh, I'm, I'm just very excited about that. But, uh, you know, you just talked about the dominance that uh, Bayern had for the last 10 years. Boy, am I glad that it's on us to pierce that right now and not on freaking Leipzig. Uh, if you look at the league table, uh, Leipzig are not even in the Champions League spots right now. So, <laughs> you know, because a lot of people have predicted that Leipzig are the second force in, in the Bundesliga in, you know, no too distant future. Um, but uh, for now, they are not. Uh, Marco Rose is not the messiah at Leipzig, even though that's how he was praised when he started there. But um, yeah, these are just little details that that make me happy. On on top of it all, the fact that uh, Leverkusen beat Leipzig and that um, Freiburg beat Schalke and uh, the the table looks the way it looks right now, it's just very pleasing to me. Don't know about you, but uh, if if this Bundesliga season would would have ended after 29 match days, I too would have been very happy. But uh, yeah, five rounds still to go. Until next time, goodbye.